Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport Game day, your verdict What a day we've had in the Premier League in TalkSport's early kickoff. Spurs were embarrassed on the South Coast. It was a 3-0 defeat to Brighton. Everton lost their fourth consecutive Premier League match, losing 1-0 to Burnley. And VAR was at the forefront once again as Crystal Palace went fourth with a 2-1 win away at West Ham. You've had your say on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Here's the very best of your thoughts from the full-time phone-in with Adrian Durham and Alvin Martin. And Game Day Your Verdict with me, Laura Woods, and Darren Bent. This is the Game Day Your Verdict podcast. Let's get straight into it now and head over to the Amex with Sam Matterface. And there's the full-time whistle. Brighton are going to revel in this. But it is an 18th defeat in 40 games since the start of 2019 for Tottenham Hotspur. And this capitulation was the worst of the lot. Process that for one moment. 18 games that Spurs have lost in the last 10 months, the latest of which may well not be the most humiliating, but is without doubt humbling. Brighton had only scored two goals since the opening day of the season, and yes, they're different under Graham Potter, but this is still a side that Spurs will feel they should be able to overcome, even on the road, where their wait for a Premier League win goes on and on and on. The pressure now on Maurizio Pochettino is going to be measured in tons because it's been heaped upon them by a mistake from Hugo Lloris, an injury to his goalkeeper and captain, which we do hope is not as serious as it looks. But goals from Mopé, two from Connolly, a 19-year-old Irishman on his first Premier League start, have meant that Brighton are taking three points against Tottenham Hotspur for the first time since 1983. It has finished here with an inquest about to start. Brighton three, Tottenham nil. I think we've got a Tottenham fan, Ryan, uh, has joined us, lost 3-0 at uh, Brighton. It was a bit of a mess as well. Ryan, what did you make of it? Um, I've got to be honest with you, mate. Um, it's been a complete shambles from start to finish all this season, to be honest. Um, I think Posh has lost the dressing room. Um, he doesn't know where Ndombele plays. He tried to play him as a CDM, but I think he can play further forward, if I'm honest. Um, and there seems to be some unrest in the dressing room, and they just haven't got a clue this season. They've not got it down. I just wanted to know what your thoughts were, to be honest, and try and establish what's going on. 
Well, we're going to hear from Poch a little bit later on, Ryan, but that's a, that's a big, bold claim. Let me just bring in Alvin Martin, because uh, Ryan has just said there, Alvin, that Poch has lost the dressing room. That is a massive, massive claim. Can you see signs of that with Spurs? No, no look, today I can imagine that, that people would look at the Spurs performance today and, and maybe come to that conclusion. But I watched them against Bayern Munich, Adrian, and they started off where, like, well, they were really fast. They were at it, um, and they got the first goal in the game. Son, he missed a couple before that. Neuer was certainly the busier goalkeeper in the first 20 minutes. And then I think they were given a lesson on the night in, in finishing. The only difference between Spurs and Bayern Munich um, in, in the Champions League game was that Bayern Munich finished you know, their, their, their opportunities off where Spurs didn't. So I thought they, they were a team that were, were certainly up for it that night. Today was a different proposition. They just didn't look up for the game and they never got going. The aggression that you associate with Spurs wasn't there. But that one performance doesn't say to me that he's lost the dressing room. I think that he's, uh, he's got uh, a lot of players in there. And today, Adrian, I felt that, that the Spurs played with a lack of confidence. Dyer played in midfield. He looked out of sorts from, from the word go. He hasn't played much football. And he, and he, he, he certainly got a decision wrong there. Uh, he, he made a change. He went to a back three. He tried to mirror what, you know, what, what, what the opposition were doing. And it still never happened for him. Lloris, you know, it was a weird um, sort of incident right early in the game. Was three minutes into the game where he makes a mistake and injures himself at the same time. And that looks like a serious injury. And, and I think from that moment on, I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, which Spurs player is going to start having a go here? You know, is Harry Kane going to start shaking his fist around? But they just seem to just accept that things were going against them. And that's not like Spurs. It's not like Pochettino's teams. I don't think he's lost his dressing room, but I think what he has got is a dressing room full of good players, but lacking confidence. Where's it all going wrong for Spurs? I can't figure out when you're watching that team who've made it to the Champions League final where it's starting to fall away and why they cannot just reconnect with each other. It's, it's a tough one. And, I mean, the only thing you can point at, and the buck really stops with the manager. Um, you look at his reactions and the, the way he's been this season, he, again, he hasn't seemed like the same Pochettino. I mean, the intensity out of his seems to be gone. He seems to be quite calm, quite collected. And mm. even even midweek, when I was watching him against, obviously, Bayern Munich, and it was a, a, a really, really bad result, even when it was like five, six, there was still no emotion from him. There was no screaming, no shouting, no no mm. anything really. So you'd have to say the box stops with him, but then on the pitch as well, the players are just not performing to the level defensively. I mean, creativity, you've got players here that quite clearly by their body language just don't want to be there then you've got the guys who do want to be there that are trying to give everything for the football club so at the minute there's a divide there is a bit of a divide it's, to me everything seems disjointed from the owner to the manager to the players it just doesn't seem like the normal uh, Spurs that we're used to seeing which is obviously one big unit Mauricio Pochettino's press, uh, post-match uh, it wasn't even a press conference it was a one-on-one that he did with Sam Matterface he actually sounded very cool and very calm I was expecting him to be a, not flustered but angry you know disappointed mm. with his team's performances because I disagree with you in a sense Darren that I feel like I mean I'm not an ex-player and you are mm. um, so if you feel like you need that from your manager to spur you on and go and have a good game fine but I feel like these are Premier League footballers they get paid a lot of money they're doing a job that they love can't you just put that aside and go on and, and play and that, actually that first goal and Hugo Lloris actually horrible injury we know out for two months at least dislocated um, elbow but there was a mistake before he even landed to let that goal in and this you know Hugo Lloris has won a World Cup he's their captain there's a certain certain figures on that pitch that I feel are not performing as well as they could be and also I don't think they're performing well for Maurizio Pochettino 
if you want, if you're a Spurs fan and you actually want him out, I'd be so interested to hear you, who who are you going to bring in that is going to do a better job than Maurizio Pochettino, I've, and where do you expect to finish without him? It's, it's tough. I mean, when when you talk about letting the manager go, I mean, he's one probably he's a prize that's at, at that football club. I mean, that's not usually the case with managers and football clubs. Usually, the manager goes, you bring someone else in. But in this situation, it's so unique because you think he is like a prize that's it because you know full well if Spurs would tonight say you know Richo thanks for everything you've done but it's time to let you go mm. his phone will be ringing straight away with offers from if it's Madrid yeah. Manchester United maybe so many different clubs and then who do they bring in that's going to be better than him he's building something at Spurs he, he, he sees Spurs going in the right direction but at the minute to me when I watch him and hearing his comments before the Champions League final and afterwards when he said that if we'd won the Champions League final he would have left I think he generally meant that yeah okay uh, let's hear from a Spurs fan and get his perspective Josh welcome to the show Hi, you all right? Hello, all right, thank you. How are you? Frustrated, angry, upset. It's just a couple of things to um, to describe today, yeah. Josh, we've just been discussing whose fault it is, or whether it's a combination. When you watch that team, do you feel like there are players that aren't performing there, or do you think it's Maurizio Pochettino not with, with the wrong team selection or wrong tactics? What is it? I think it's both. I think you've got players out there that just don't care. I think somebody like Ericsson, I've never seen a performance like it ever in his, what, five-odd years at Spurs. And, you know, he wasn't running, he wasn't passing. He just, it looked like he, you know, had a hundred other places he'd like to be. Other players as well. I think there's two sides to the story. I think there's things that we don't know, but I agree with Darren in the sense that I think, you know, Poch, you know, he's never been a man for emotion, but... You know, if that was Guardiola whoa, 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 or Jurgen Klopp... He's not been a man for emotion. Do you not think, no, do you not think in he's interviews, emotional? In interviews. You know, you don't... You know, you, you can't... It's not... You know, you know, when Jurgen Klopp's not happy, everybody knows Jurgen Klopp's not <laughs> happy. If, you know, Pochettino, like you said in his interview, you know, I'm, you know how, however angry he was feeling inside, he never shows it. And I think, you know... Even when you're six, you know six six two, you know seven two down against Bayern Munich, to be sitting on your chair and just sort of watching the game like a spectator, it's just, it's. I think it's poor form from him, you know. You go, you, and I just, you know, you never hear him slating the players. You never hear him. And even today, when he said, you know, don't put any blame on the players, blame all on me. It's like, you know, is that something you want to, you know, you want to hear your manager saying? Because I'm watching that game and there's three or four players that have no right to wearing that Spurs shirt at the moment with the shifted attitude they've got of the team. You know, we're, which, you know, we're Champions League finalists mm. and we're playing at the moment like a mid-table team. You know, to to lose three 0 to Brighton and it, you know, it, Brighton was 100 percent the better team. You know, it just outlines such serious problems in the team. You know, to to be dominated by a team like Brighton have only won one game this season. When I look at Pochettino this season, for me, he looks a bit deflated. And when I say deflated, I, I think to myself, right, so if, if Spurs had gone on and won the Champions League, I think, yes, he would have left because he would have said, listen, I can't take this team any further. I've, I've worked miracles. We won the Champions League. I'd bow out. When that didn't happen, he's kind of left in that scenario, well, okay, I've got to go again. And I don't think he's kind of picked himself up from that. So you look at the first performance against Aston Villa, first game of the season, they came yeah. out flat. And you expected them to flat out the block. And, and then the whole mood changed. And then to me, he just carried it on. Like when you look at him, he just seems like he that he, he wants to be there, but he looks frustrated that he didn't get some of the signings yeah. he wanted. And But he's got players also that want to leave. You've got the likes of Ericsson that's come out and said, I think my time here is up. I want to I mean, I've got to be honest, I don't even think it's this season. You know, last season, despite getting to a Champions League final, we lost 13 league games. Mm. Now, that's mm. appalling for a team that's got Champions League football this season. I mean, I think the problems go much deeper. And I think there's a lot of things that we don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, there's such big cracks in the team. There's such disjointment in the team. You know, you're looking at the bench, you know, Son, Son and Tangi today. You know, they look absolutely distraught. Now they're on the bench and 
you know, you can see songs close to tears, but, you know, there's some players I wish were like that. I wish felt that emotion. You know, Harry Kane, how long is he going to be at the club until he gets a phone call from somebody else saying, come play with us, you win trophies, you know? That's my biggest worry. You know, we have arguably the best striker in the world. You know, what's stopping him from going to Spain or Germany or to the biggest team in England, you know? Because quite frankly, you know, he loves the club to death, but if he's not winning trophies, you know, that's that's... You know, well, and Darren Josh, will back me up. He had he had opportunities to score today. He didn't take them. He looked a shot of confidence. If he's one well, of the best strikers out there, why didn't he score for your team today? I don't. I don't think he had many opportunities. I've got to be honest. You know, he he has maybe one or two shots. But you know, his he isn't. You know, his role isn't to be in midfield and run through. You know, run through. That's the job of you know the Ericsons, the you know Lamellas and stuff. But he wasn't getting any service up there, and you felt for him. You know, he just you can see he's, he's one of the players that really does care about the team and wants the I, team to do well. Do you know, I agree with what you're saying, and he does care for the team. And if you think about how long he's carried this team on his back, whenever whenever Spurs have needed a goal in any competition, he's been there. And every player at some stage will have a little off period. Yeah. He, he's really yet to have one for Spurs. Every season, twenty goals, twenty five goals, thirty goals. Yeah. So eventually, it's going to happen. Is is that going to be now? You don't know, but you'd expect it to come at some stage. You do feel that they're at a, a, a sort of crossroads, don't you, Spurs? Mm. Where I mean, if the if the form doesn't pick up, something's got to give. Potentially, you've got players that want out that might be going at Christmas, unless they can. It's not very Spursy thing to do, is it? To to not have these players in contracts nailed down. And, and this one I can't understand because now they've got to spend the next few months trying to convince yeah. Toby over the world, Ericsson, Danny Rose, Jan Vertonghen to sign new contracts, or they're going to walk away for nothing. Yeah. Well, Danny Rose nearly did, didn't he? Apparently, yeah. by all accounts. If you if you read the papers reports, they were saying that he was at the Watford training ground well, over the summer. I bet he doesn't read that decision. To go to go for, yeah, actually, <laughs> you are absolutely right, Darren. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for your call. That was um, some really interesting points there. We're going to hear from Mike Pochettino because we've been speaking about this interview that he did after the game. And if you've missed it, here's basically what he had to say: Everyone needs to work harder, and that's after their drubbing by Brighton today. We cannot uh, uh, put uh, this situation out. I think the emotional game. Um, I think was tough for the for the team after three minutes to concede a goal and and of course lose uh, your captain was a massive uh, impact for the for the team. We never uh, can be on the on the game. We never find the way to change the dynamic. I think after the 7-2 again again Bayern Munich, uh, when you need uh, to recover your best feeling, playing well, uh, start to be consistent and recover your confidence, I think after three minutes was a massive impact that uh, the, the team never can uh, turn. That, that, uh, they didn't negative come to dynamic. terms with it. Sorry? They didn't come to terms with it. Is it a situation they should be able to come to terms with, though? It's difficult. It's, um, it's not easy to play football. Um, this type of situation, you can be affected. And, and of course, when we concede the second goal after the the first, the second, I think shoot uh, from from Brighton, I think was really really tough. The second half we start really well. If you can, if you score uh, from the beginning of the second half, I think maybe you you have to change the, the dynamic. But uh, of course, the game was over when we conceded the third the third goal. You have conceded a lot of goals away from home. You've conceded a lot of goals in the last two games what do you put it down to yes it's about uh, you know the, that dynamic that is so negative uh, for different circumstances different reasons we try to play in one way and another with different players but on the end um, of course uh, we didn't find that uh, that solution that uh, we need uh, to show uh, in every single game when you need to be consistent but you know um, yes this type of period are always tough 
the most important now is is to is to realize about the situation and and work hard to try to to change the dynamic. What do you think the situation is, and and are you going to be able to put it right? It looks like the biggest challenge you've had since you've been at Tottenham. No. Would you agree with ah, that? In Tottenham, yeah, ah, of course, yes, yes, in Tottenham, yes, agree. But not in my career, like a coach, for, of course. But you think this is the biggest challenge that you've had since you've been at Tottenham? And how challenge. are you going to, yeah, to sort challenge. it out? Of course, it's, it's a challenge to to change that uh, dynamic now. Um, of course, um, um, we are in a difficult moment. But the most important now is to have a clear idea what we need to do and and knowing that always you need time to uh, change the dynamic, the negative dynamic. It's like when you build a good run, a positive run. Uh, always you need time uh, to turn this, these feelings, you need time too. You and I have had lots of conversations, and especially about the way that you deal and interact with people. You're very good with your players in the dressing room. Do you still feel that your players are behind you? That is not a question for me, but um, like always... Uh, Do you get that feeling from them? From, but let, let me to answer. <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, that I feel uh, that we are all together, uh, no doubt about that. And you're not worried about turning this situation round? You think you can do it? About, sorry? About turning this situation what round. Losing games away from home, dropping points in, in positions where you're winning matches. You think you can turn it back to the Tottenham that got to the Champions Always League you final? You need to think that you, you, you are going to change the situation. Of course, um, winning mentality is that uh, even losing, believing that you can win. And of course, we are very competitive and we are winning people. And for, of course, we are going to fight until to then. There you go, that's what he has to do. He reckons change the dynamics of whatever rut they're in at the moment. It's his job. He's saying, look, we've got to find a way to get ourselves out of this. But what mm. does that even mean? For me, that's a lot of empty words. Mm. You imagine he went into that changing room afterwards and gave him an absolute talking to, don't you? I, I don't think he did. No? I, th I think he probably went in there and was just He's like... He's a silent type. A little bit, yeah. He just doesn't, for me, just doesn't seem... Yeah, it doesn't seem like the type at the minute to be bawling, hollering, because he's not showing any emotions out there on a the pitch. And I know some managers mm. are completely different around the players and they're on the sideline, but you'd expect to see something. Well, Champions League semi-final half-time, it was Harry Kane, wasn't it? Yeah, apparently, so you, yeah. So you, so you wonder whether Harry Kane might have gone in there. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he would have, yeah. had something to say. Let's take Clive. He is a Spurs fan. How are you doing, Clive? Oh, Spurs, uh... eh? Absolute state of them. It's just, <laughs> it's staggering, honestly, to see the state of Spurs at the moment. Mm. Um, Where's and... it going wrong, Clive? Can you put your finger on it? Well, for Spurs, I reckon the game's gone. Absolute state of them. Just, just staggering to see what's going on. I, I, and I, the thing is, you know, I caught back to a couple of seasons ago when Giorgio Chiellini, well, Chiellini uh, came up against us for Juventus in the Champions League. And at the end of the game, he just said, "It's the history of the Tottenham." Yeah, it's, it's, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember it like to, it was yesterday. Yeah, we're so used to to all of this. And I, and, and for me, I, I don't. I really don't know what else we can do except get rid of the owners because for me I don't lay or I don't apportion the majority of the blame to Pochettino at all I think it's down to a number of years of paying under market value a number of years of of a of poor investment in the squad a number of years of neglecting what Pochettino has been desiring for I heard Martin Lipton um the journalist a few months ago or sorry a few a few days ago saying that a few months ago, Pochettino had called for practically the whole back five to be completely and utterly removed. Yeah, removed wow. from the removed from the squad. And I think he was, you know, Pochettino was speaking to Gary Lineker at the tail end of last season, and he said that the, the club needs a painful rebuild. Mm -hmm. That hasn't happened. 
we've we've brought in Ndombele to their credit for you know but really and truly Ndombele was just a replacement for Musa Dembele who'd left in January and gone off to China. So it's just it's a state of Spurs. I, 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 there's so many points there that I agree with that Clive has made there. I agree with some of them. I mean, the investment in the club, you'd have to say, like, we know Spurs generally have not been big, big signings, but I think at some stage you need to make maybe a, a statement signing. And I think Pochettino, if they'd have got maybe Coutinho, the Bala, Coutinho, and these guys, one, it was just somebody mm. over the line, I think it might have just changed the whole dynamics again of the Spurs football club. But you're right in what you're saying. I mean, Spurs. I remember before, I think it was uh, Damien Camoli, he was the one buying the players when I think Martin Yole was in charge. But you're right in, in what you're saying is in Pochettino. It's frustration again, because yeah. if he's obviously saying he wants to a new back five and change it, yeah. I know you can't just do that, but give him something. Well, he's come out and said, didn't he, I'm not the manager, I'm call me the head coach because I don't make these decisions. Mm. So like, yeah, Clive, I mean, he's, he's saying he, he's identifying what he wants and he's not necessarily being backed. I suppose that you could read that into it. How, how do you think, I mean, he's talking about reshuffling and he's talking, not mm. reshuffling, but he's talking about rejuvenating his team and trying to get back into this season because it's, I mean, when you look at the table, I, I, I understand that performances like this are dreadful, but when you look at the table, you're still really only a win away from catapulting yourself back up there. You're not that far off at the moment. You're eighth, eleven points. It is yeah, very tight there. It feels like it feels like you're just a win well, and a good performance. More importantly, you know, Laura, is that is that the case of Spurs winning or everyone else being poor around? I think them? it's everyone else being poor. It is everyone else being but poor. But ultimately, the same. It's the same thing though. A win and a good performance. A good performance more than a more than a win in some ways. Just some sort of fight from that team could could turn things around again. I don't know, Clive. Is that how you feel? Um, well, I mean, the word on the curb is that there's there's a rift in the dressing room and there's mm. there's, there's players not quite getting on. And I, and I don't know how true that is, but f- from the outside looking in, it looks like very simple sports science to me. This team has been together for five years, and it's the only club really fighting at the top end of the Premier League that hasn't had a major reshuffle. If you look at Liverpool's team. So we obviously Tottenham's Champions League opponents in the final were Liverpool, who who went on to win it and are now dominating the Premier League to their credit. Mm. And why has that happened? 2015-16, when uh, Jurgen Klopp first came into the club, Liverpool's back four was Nathaniel Klein, Martin Skirtle, Mabadou Sacco, and Moreno with Mignolet as the goalkeeper. The Tottenham back four with the goalkeeper was Hugo Lloris. Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen and Danny Rose. Five years <laughs> wow. on, it's the same. Yeah. That, that should tell you everything you need to know about the level of investment. And yeah. what happens over five years is players become frustrated with, A, being underpaid, because we all know Tottenham's wage structure. Mm-hmm. Darren, Darren you, you know that better than anybody else. No, that's you know, I was happy with mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you won't be able to that. But, you know, they're looking at someone like Kyle Walker, who's gone off to Man City for 50 million, mm-hmm. who's, who's, who's tripled his wage packet. And they're thinking, right, I'm, I'm, I'm a player that plays at the, high, at the highest level. I could stay at Spurs or I could go somewhere else. And they're probably in the back of their mind thinking, right, well, this, this, this club isn't really going to win anything. We might, you know, get into the top four and have appearances in semi-finals and finals here and then, but there's no real belief in the squad. Year on year, the the belief starts to disintegrate. The hunger starts to disintegrate. Yeah, you're right. Christian, Eric, Christian Eriksen starts to be like, you know, what's the point? Mm-hmm. I should go off to somewhere like Real Madrid where I'm pretty much guaranteed trophies. Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld, they start looking else. And that's when, when that hunger disintegrates, it, it translates on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You, you, the pressing stops. The pressing doesn't only stop because... 
the hunger's gone, but also because the players the players aren't the same players that they were five years ago. Yeah. They're not the same. They don't have the same energy, the same um, level of fitness, and the same want to go for the ball. And, and I think that's primarily down uh, the reason for our complete disintegration against yeah. against Bayern Munich. Against Bayern Munich. Yeah, and then the the point? Clive, the Clive, point? thank you. Thank you very much. Game day, your verdict on Talk Sport. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Here at Anfield, Liverpool won it in injury time with a penalty. Controversial penalty. Let's hear from Tom, who's a Leicester fan, who's been here at the game. I presume you were in the Leicester end, Tom, yeah? Evening, chap. Uh, simply, isn't it? To receive a penalty after getting yourself back into the game. Uh, and I haven't seen now a few replays, and I said it at the time, if he goes down... Straight away to Penn, but take two steps and then throw himself to the floor. What's the point on VAR to check it? I understand if he gets touched and goes down, it's a pen. I'm not denying that. But he took two steps and then goes to the floor. That's not a penalty. So you're saying it was? I mean, were you right near it? Because the Leicester fans were right down there, weren't they? Yeah, I was about 10 rows back in line with it. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's not a penalty if he goes down straight away. If he goes down straight away, as soon as Albrighton touched him, what a silly mistake by Albrighton. It's a penalty, but he takes two steps and then goes down. What, where, what, what, what part of the rule says that you, you know, he can take two steps and then fall over? Surely that game's played on by that point. He's taken two steps and then he goes down. Interesting. I what, what, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I mean, let's just talk about. I, I'm, I'm taking your view on board. We're going to add them all up and, and listen to them all. The, all the views of the penalty, and as time goes by, more and more people will see it. But just uh, on the, on the penalty itself, on on the move before that, Old Brighton's done really well. He's nicked the ball, and then I kind of blame Schmeichel in a way because Schmeichel comes out with his hands, but he can't pick it up. So Old Brighton has to take another touch away from the keeper, and that's what gets him into trouble. So at that stage of the game, one-one away at Anfield in injury time, for there to be a mix-up like that, mate, it must be uh, gutting for you lot. Oh yeah, I mean I'm, I'm I'm with you on Adrian on that one. I mean for me, Schmeichel shouldn't get involved. He can't pick the ball up. So you either tell Albright to move out of the way and launch it, but for some reason he's going to ground anyway, like he's going to pick it up. Or he, for me, Albright now has to be the senior player. Kick out for a corner. You know, we've defended the corners all afternoon really well against Liverpool. Just kick it out for a corner and set yourself up and defend. It's, you know, 
silly play for us. It's cost us, you know, a point. What being a very good point considering the first 25 minutes, Liverpool were by far the better team. We then came back into the game just before half time and then cost ourselves with a. I think Johnny Evans was poor play by him, gets himself caught under the ball and Mane scores. Second half, first 10 minutes, Liverpool then come out again all over us and we can't get out. But then the last probably 25 minutes, it was all Leicester and we were the only one that looked like going to score. And then, like you say, we've shot a dog in the foot at the end. What about Liverpool supporters, boys? You know, Adrian, you were there. I'm, I'm listening to the reports. But um, what would they think? Is that, look, it's fabulous. It's, it's elation at the end because you've got out of jail. But will Liverpool supporters and certainly the Liverpool coaching staff be a little concerned because they went great in midweek in the Champions League. They offered Salzburg lots of you know, opportunities to score against them. And from what you said as well, Adrian, I think, um, was it Vardy had another chance when Adrian came out and made a block? Uh, so it, the, the game could have gone either way. So... Liverpool supporters leaving the ground while they'll be absolutely delighted with the result. Will they be thinking, do you know what, if we, if we don't improve, we're going to be in trouble? Yeah, the Liverpool fans were. There was a little bit of nervousness. There's no doubt about that. However, the relief and the noise at the end told you that they really do have the belief. Let's bring in a Liverpool fan. Tony um, is with us on the show. Hiya, Tony. Evening, lads. Hope you're well. Uh, yeah, tough game. We expected that. Um, having a nightmare, aren't we? 17 games on the spin. All these problems that we're having. Unbearables, aren't we? Unbearables are just going to become more unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> Who says you got problems? They did have problems in midweek, there's no doubt about that, but wowzer. I mean, it's. Uh, did you not think that Liverpool got out of jail a bit today? 1-1 in injury time and Leicester gift you a penalty? Not even slightly. Milner should have scored early doors. Uh, I thought he played well. Lovren played very well. I thought defensively we looked OK. Um, just didn't take the chances that we had. That dropped to us some decent half chances, but... Uh, Hey, it's easy winning the Premier League, isn't it? I mean, everyone should be doing it, shouldn't they? So, do you now feel that this is the result? I, I said at the end of the game to, to Graham Beecroft, they'll look back on this one, maybe got a little bit fortunate with the penalty, and they got the victory when it looked like it was going to be the first points drop this season. Is this, is this a symbolic moment just before the international break, Tony? I think it's just a psychological issue for everybody else eh? because Liverpool know how to win. Whatever we need to do, we can win and everybody else knows that. I think if you look at the league table now, we've dropped everybody now. Uh, oh, there's only City that can touch Liverpool and roll on Old Trafford because uh, that's going to be fun for us. We're going to enjoy Old Trafford. You're, you're very cocky. <laughs> Let me just say, I mean, I, it, it's either super confidence or outrageous cockiness. I mean, do you not... Given the fact that Liverpool haven't won the title for so long, Tony, are you not a little bit more cautious? No, not at all, not at all. It's, just, it's all about wins. It's all about wins. That's all. I mean, you know, everybody else can go and win the games like we are. We've won 17 on the spin now. Um, two and a half years unbeaten at Anfield. Can we make it three years unbeaten at Anfield? You know, you, you take on all comers. You either win it, you don't win it. And we don't get stressed about that. Just keep knocking the wins over and making everyone feel sick. Uh, amazing. Tony, I, I've got to admire your confidence. I think that I've just had another look at it. Um, and it's, you know, it, I don't think he takes a couple of steps, as the Leicester fans said. I think, Alvin, just do you tell me, you, you played at the top level in English football for a long, long time, many years in the top flight uh, with West Ham United. But you tell me, I mean, I've had a, a text from a, a Leicester supporter who was here today, a good mate of mine, and he asked the question, would Leicester have got it had it been at the other end? And, you know, that question is often levelled and you wonder. But VAR is meant to rule out any question of those sort of things, isn't it? Well, look, I don't, th I don't think it will rule that out, Adrian, because I think the penalties are, are always going to be a matter of, of interpretation by the referee. 
and, and it's got to be an, an absolutely, you know, big mistake by the referee for it to get overturned. So we're still going to have the, uh, the disagreements in that respect. My point to about Liverpool um, is you've 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 won a game today in the last minute, and and you've needed some good fortune to do it, but. They, Liverpool fans, as that one that just said there, they should have been out of sight uh, to a certain degree. Because I think uh, from the reports that, that we were getting from, from from the ground there, even through Talksport, uh, the the Leicester performance up to a point was really poor. They, you know, they 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 came to Anfield and didn't weren't really in it. But then, because they didn't get killed off and the chances that were created went stuck away, they were always in the game and they could have actually maybe not just drawn but won the game. Now, while that would have wouldn't have been an unfair uh, result, it could have happened. So I think. I, I would suggest that Liverpool have got to be a bit cautious because, look, they had a big lead uh, last year and then there was one game against Manchester City that changed the whole landscape, the dynamic of what the, the race was all about. And if I was a Liverpool supporter, and certainly if I was you know, involved in wanting the best for Liverpool, I'd be very cautious knowing what happened last year. Obviously, delighted with the win today, but I was a bit disgusted, actually, and a bit surprised uh, with... The way Leicester play today, uh, they've got so many good players and they play some good football, but the way they were launching our players and attacking our players, I, I just thought it was a bit disgusting. You're talking about I Hamza Chowdhury. Obviously, you got the, the, the Salah uh, challenge mm. that was late on, but even before that, some of the challenges were like reckless and, uh, you know, Leicester don't normally play like that. And a couple of other things as well is... Uh, I, I think Liverpool should have sewn the game up within 60 minutes. We missed so many good chances, uh, so the penalty thing don't really come into it. And as for getting the rubber to green, uh, that, I think that's our first penalty this season. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if, I'm, if you want to correct me on that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. There's a few things that you've you've you listed there. Um, I just want to ask Darren about this. Let's start with the Leicester point. Uh, did you think they were particularly reckless today going into challenges? I mean, he's talking about Hamza Chowdhury on, on Mohamed Salah. Eventually, about a minute or so later, um, later he did go off Mohamed Salah. So we'll get an update on that. But what did you think? Do you think it was a bit a bit rough? I think with Hamza Chowdhury, um, I think he always seems to run that risk. I mean, even if you go back to the European Championships when he got sent off... Um, I mean, I like him as a player. I think he, he plays that holding midfield role um, really, really well. But I think at times he does toe that line. And I think that challenge on Salah was a bit of a reckless one. Um, but as he's young, so you can't really obviously throw that at him. But at the same time, he, he is a bit reckless. But I wouldn't say Leicester as a team are, are a reckless side or a dirty side by any means or any stretch of imagination. But at times, I think he just does toe the line. I think that's what Tony's saying as well. You were quite surprised, weren't you, by Leicester? Because by all accounts, you don't think that they're a particularly naughty side. Um, maybe you just got that wrong, wrong, Hamza Chowdhury. Uh, what about Liverpool? You were mentioning today they should have sewn up early on into the game. Do you think that so far this season, do you think we've seen your best yet? Or is it quite slow? No. You're getting away with games. I, I, I think, uh, obviously, we've still got a goalkeeper to come back. I think we missed Matip the last couple of games. Uh, and... Uh, no, I don't think we have seen our best, but we're scraping through now. And uh, last season, we would have either lost or drawn these games, but we're, we're battling on. And uh, you know, I, you know, I, I think you've, you know, the best is yet to come, without a doubt. And, we, and I, uh, as far as games are concerned, I think we've played like uh, the harder fixes at Aston Man City, but like, like the two of us. Mm. Can I ask you your thoughts on, on the Mane penalty that eventually James Milner took, scored from the spot? Um, Mark Albrighton, what did you think of that particular moment? There's some people saying it wasn't a foul, some people saying that Mane dived. Where do you stand on it? It was, it was a definite penalty. 
Uh, but like I said, I think the game should have been decided before then because of the chances we missed. But, I mean, it was a definite penalty. But, again, like I said about Leicester, the way they acted after the final whistle went as well, I, th- I thought it was a bit disgusting, like the, the attitude of the players and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, so what you're talking about, if anyone missed that game, Tony, thank you very much for your call as well. So he's talking about a little bit of argy-bargy, I think yeah. we'll call it. So just after James Milner's penalty went in, there was a bit of a scuffle, uh, a bit of a disagreement between the players. And then when the full-time whistle blew, as well. It looked like Aze Perez was trying to get at one of the Liverpool players and it became a bit of a team thing, wasn't it? Each other holding each other back. Um Tony the Liverpool fan also touched on that Hamza Chowdhury challenge of Mohamed Salah. Um and Jurgen Klopp had something to say about it. Have a listen to this. A challenge which I I really don't understand, to be honest. I don't understand how he can do it because the ball is far away. It's a classical I don't know exactly how to say it, but that's a it's a, a player who's in a full sprint you bring him down without ball around for me it's only only one color but i know I, I i see probably in your eyes and everything i'm the only one who sees it like this but it's a, it's dangerous as hell and um so <laughs> i don't want to cause the boy any problems with the fault but he has to calm down situation it's not the first time he has to calm down he's a super player super development in the last um one or two years at leicester but these kind of challenges, no, because it's not—it's not obvious, ugly that you put one up front, and this where everybody says red. It's just from a football point of view. If you're well quick, you need to have—you need to make sure somebody needs to make sure for you that it's not everything allowed to bring you down. So if somebody goes with a hand there, it's a yellow card. But if somebody comes like this and the ball is not—is not even close, I don't know how that cannot be. Okay, there we go. Um, some people on Twitter also suggesting that he should have been sent off. Um, Jurgen Klopp saying he just needs to calm down. He's he's young, Darren, isn't he? When you're a young player and you're playing against the likes of Mohamed Salah, sometimes do you take on challenges like that because it's, you don't really know how else to deal with it? What's in his head at the moment? Yeah, potentially. But as I was just saying before, Jurgen Klopp said, I mean, I pretty much mirrored what he was saying there in that with mm-hmm. Chowdhury and, and Jurgen Klopp said it himself that at times he needs to calm down because he's done it a few times I mean as I said you go back to the European Championships in the summer when he flew into a tackle I think it was against France mm-hmm. got uh, and gave away a penalty and I think he even might have been sent off for that challenge because it was a reckless challenge so I think he I think he is a, a really really good prospect I mean he's got to be on the cusp of that holding role for England I mean I know he's not been called up yet but he's got to be right there because Leicester are flying high he's playing really really well but I think in certain moments and situations yeah he, he needs to calm down Interestingly, he's got a manager like Brendan Rodgers there now, so hopefully Brendan Rodgers will take him to one side after that game and say, look, you can't be doing that sort of stuff because it might, eventually, it might cost less. Game day, your verdict on Talk Sport. Manuel, commiserations on the result. Where did that go wrong for your side today? Well, it's a pieces. They scored two goals by a penalty and a, and a free kick that the VAR decided decide that was goal for less than one centimetre. Yeah, and you think that both decisions we've okay with the handball? Did you think that was a penalty for the first goal? Decision of the referee. Uh, I don't think that Declan uh, was intentional to put that, uh, that hand, but the ball hit him and the referee decided that it was mm. penalty. It was a game of, of not many chances, especially early on. Why do you think it was, it was so hard to, to break Crystal Palace down, especially in that first half? Because they defend with, uh, well with two lines of four players near their box, but I think that we where uh, we get the lead from the game and after and before that in the first half we have three clear chances also to, to score two of Felipe Anderson one of Sebastian Haller we didn't score we needed maybe to try to create 
more. And finally, the set pieces inside the game. I, I don't remember it just one shot of Guitar Palace in the second half in, yeah. our, in our target. And going into the second international break, what have you made of, of where your side are at after the first sort of couple of months of the season? Well, it's not the best way to to finish. Of course, we wanted to win our points here at home. We need to be a strong team if we, we want to have a successful season. But we need to continue working. We have now 15 days and try to return playing against Everton, uh, recovering our good performance. I don't think that today was a bad performance, but of course, we if you don't win the uh, the game, it's because you did something something wrong. Well, I want to know what the point of VAR is because it seems to me it's one rule for one and one for another. West Ham were a victim of it last week at Bournemouth. Today they were a victim of two terrible decisions. One, he didn't VAR, which nobody could understand why the penalty was given because the guy was about an inch away from him. The, the offside was a blatant offside. The linesman gave it in an instant. They protested. He, he went took two and a half minutes to ruin the game. Who wants to go anymore? It was a complete waste of time. I mean, you know, people are, are flabbergasted by by the decisions. The other other thing point is is the the disrespect given to the officials by players. We, well, I've, I've lost the words, actually, on it, really. Right. To, to, to be fair, the, the, the blatant offside, I mean, when you check the VAR and you look at the replay, he's quite clearly onside for, for both situations. So I don't think their, their, I think their goal, that like IU's goal, was, was a definite goal. As far as the penalty um, decision, I agree with you 100%, because that, that was given against you, and we was in the studio watching last mm. week, Wolves versus... Um, Watford. Versus Watford, wasn't and it, it was the complete same situation where it was about a yard away, he's hit it, and they don't give a penalty, yet they give the penalty today. And I think this is where people are now becoming frustrated with the VAR, because... They were. They were... But why didn't he at least go to his uh, official and say, well, you know, if, if it's if he's given it and he's confident enough to give him that, give him that decision, but he instantly uh, disbelieved his lino... And went, and went to VAR and took two and a half minutes. There was a player that appeared to us at the back who was, who was about three yards offside, but apparently wasn't interfering with play. Is that right? So basically, but the VAR will intervene. So it's so that's how that's that process. So if VAR feel that there's a clear and obvious mistake on the pitch, that that is how they will intervene with it. In terms of going back to that handball situation with with Declan Rice, um, I know what you're saying it is frustrating because ultimately you're, you're going between the lines of. Was his hand in an unnatural position? Did he have time to, to move it away necessarily? And for me, it's just the consistency. But I think you're probably going to get this with, between referees, you, like you always have, aren't you? And VAR is only going to intervene at that point and overturn a decision if they feel like a clear and obvious decision uh, error has been made. Um, why are you looking at your watch? Am I, am I keeping you? <laughs> I just like looking at his watch as if to say, like, when are we going to the break? I'm bored of this already. Uh, it, is, it, it is tricky. Ultimately, I, I feel like you want consistency in these kind of things. But that in particular moment, that's a subjective decision, isn't it? It is, yeah. And as I said, it was a carbon copy last week. And I think that's what's frustrating. Because last week I was like, that's got to yeah. be a penalty. They've at least got to look at it. And the referee just waved it on like it was nothing. Yeah. But today, in the complete same situation, they give a penalty. So and I think, mm. again, it's consistency. Because how was one given and one not? And I thought VAR was supposed to rule these kind of decisions out. Hmm. Okay, Simon, thank you very much for your call. Uh, in terms of West Ham, I mean, I know they lost that game today, but I still think there's a lot of positives to be taken from their performances at the beginning of the season. And also, I mean, I suppose actually the question for you, Darren, is where they are at the moment, and, and Crystal Palace, by the way, moving up until to fourth with that win from something like, oh, they were like way down. I think they were 10th or something like that before the game started. Are we seeing quality from from teams like Crystal Palace or are we seeing a lack of quality from the supposed top six? 
minus the top two. Yeah, you could say there's a, a lack of quality, but listen, you've got to show respect to Leicester, Crystal Palace, Burnley, West Ham, these teams that are up there because people at the start of the season wouldn't have given them a, a prayer in finishing anywhere near the top four and all the top well the top six, let alone the top four. So for me, you've you've got to give them teams credit. I mean, they're, they're capitalising as Leicester did a few years back when they won the title. They capitalise on a lot of people having off seasons. Mm. Now at the same time, Leicester can only do what they're doing. Burnley, West Ham, these teams, Crystal Palace, who are up there. It's about them now believing in themselves and thinking well we're a good enough team if we can keep progressing and getting points up there's no reason why we can't finish near that top six i mean you're talking about leicester third palace fourth burnley fifth i mean no one would have predicted that game day your verdict on talk sport chris is a norwich fan they've been battered 5-1 at home by villa chris how are you feeling adrian can i just ask you firstly was that an Ipswich fan you had on earlier yes it was I wasn't quite sure because I can't hear them from League One. Oh! <laughs> was it an Ipswich fan? Oh, it was. Oh, OK, thanks for confirming. I appreciate it. Oh, look, <laughs> I must admit today, you know, we were well and truly beaten. Villa were definitely the better side. They looked impressive. Um, I'm particularly surprised that you know, the sheer amount of money they've spent, I think it always comes with a risk that the, the team won't gel. I think today's victory for them certainly means that their team has gelled. Um, for Norwich, we've won as many games as Aston Villa. We've won two games this season. Our, our, our win against Man City was certainly no fluke. But today, I think the injuries have, have really started to, to show. And I think psychologically today, we just stopped. I mean, the second goal went in and it was so un- unlike Norwich City. We just gave up. And, you know, there's a massive save from our third-choice goalkeeper, Mickey McGovern. Uh, to keep us in the game, but then, you know, Villa just absolutely came out second half and rolled us over. So, as I say, particularly impressed with Villa, but extremely, extremely disappointed of Norwich. Um, and we desperately need this international break. Chris, Chris I, I, I disagree with you. I thought the effort was there, Chris. I thought the effort was there. It was, it was you. you had a lack of quality today. You, you never got any good service into Pukki. It was starved of it. Uh, and, th- and that was exactly what they did. Whenever they, they went forward and they got behind you, they were always looking to open you up. And, and what they did do, um, this is something that you probably would have would have seen as well, is that they pressed really high and you give the ball away in really dangerous positions because they forced you to. And I thought that that was the difference. And and their, their centre forward, Wesley, the big Brazilian, got himself two goals. His service was a lot better than Pukki's. For sure, 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. But I think it was very much a case of, you know, they, they did press well, yes, but our midfield today was suspect all over the pitch. And it's very unlike us to do that. I mean, Wendia, Mo Leitner, Marcus Steepman, Todd Cantwell, we, we gave away chances today and we gave the ball away so easily. We, we let Villa apply pressure. And yes, Wesley was very, very good. Also, it kills me to say, Jack Grealish had a, had a fantastic yep. game for Villa. Um, but ultimately, it was Norwich City's doing the, the, this kind of result today rather than Villa being good. I, in my hub opinion, I really do believe that. But look, I genuinely think Norwich will be okay. I've, I've got my, my yellow and green sunglasses off now, and I'm telling you <laughs> that we will be all right, providing we can get our, our, our injured back, our injured players back. Dean, what a what a performance! Five one. It could have been could have been seven or eight, really, couldn't it? Seven or eight, three or four, I think as well. You know, because they've had some good chances as well. I mean, they they've got they're really forward thinking team and um, you know I thought it was end to end in the first half but we've scored some really good goals I was really pleased with how we worked the goals um, tactically we got it got it right a little bit I think because uh, we wanted to press with our front three and cause them problems we did that uh, but 
that result has been coming with the performances that we've had already this season. Why did Wesley take the penalty? I mean, I know he scored two, but had one of your other penalty takers maybe take you into half time three nil up? Because he's on penalties. Oh, is he really? Yeah, no, he was on penalties anyway. That's our first penalty this season. So um, he's still going to be on penalties now. He's scored one in pre season, you know, a really good penalty. So, you know, the goalkeeper's made a good save, especially from the rebound. But, you know, I thought his whole all round performance, you know, there's always questions thrown at. You know, big centre forwards who were paid a lot of money for. Um, I think he answered them today, but he needs to keep doing it. And the good thing for me is I know there's still a lot, a big room for for improvement with him. And great to see him score two goals, but I thought his all-round play he was a handful for both centre halves today. The second half, I thought the three goals you scored were outstanding. Jack's goal, um, Connor Horan, and then Louise, uh, Douglas Louise at the end with, from 25 yards. I mean, you must have been purring at that. Yeah, I mean, um, and they came from good organisation and good pressing. Um, We've won the ball back from, uh, from from I think it was Wes who won the ball back for the for Jack's goal and he got pulled back by um, Garzi and a good finish from Jack. He had to sort his feet out very quickly and then Matt Targets, you know, our left backs won the ball on the edge of their backs for for Connor Hurihan who always finishes from there and then Douglas Lewis, um, you know, he only scores goals like that. Uh, he scored one against Bournemouth and now here at Norwich sticking it in the postage stamp. So really good goals and the only down downside is that you know they scored and we pretty much give them it from what I hear. Whose fault is it then, Mings or, or he? Well, I'm not. I'm yet to see it because I okay, nipped well, off. Mings has volleyed it back. He went to the toilet. I nipped off. I mean, I'd, I'd had too much water, so I nipped off. We'd won a free kick just in front of me. I nipped off, and by the time I come back, it was five-one. It was a bit of a toilet goal. Really. I mean, it was a, it was a pass back from the halfway line by Mings. Tom's come out and missed it. I was, oh, you'll see it later on. Yeah, TV. don't worry about. It. Listen, and it, finally, then you must be delighted going to this international break. Mid-table, got some points, some goals, some confidence, everything's going well. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot more we've left out there and, you know, we keep getting aimed at us that you were losing leads. You know, today we didn't do that, but teams also earn and comebacks as well and you know the two ones the two games that we've we've lost from a leading position is Tottenham away and Arsenal away and there's a few teams that'll do that there we go Adrian Dean Smith joining me live here at Carrow Road he hasn't seen the Norwich goal because he's off to the toilet absolutely amazing game day the biggest football league in the world game day your verdict on talk sport the Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes the latest odds we set them Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus of the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.